Give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen is a fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness from the inside out. Happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Each week, Lisa shines her light on well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Lisa Cypress-Kamen is a widely recognized applied positive psychology coach, author, documentary filmmaker, and lecturer specializing in the fields of sustainable happiness, mindfulness, and integrated well-being. Let's get to it. Here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, broadcasting consciously prepared brain food from the beaches of Malibu, California. Each week we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face. No, no, no. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish egotistical or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart and this show is most definitely all about the heart. All righty, let's get to it then, because we have got a big show planned for you today. We are talking about peak performance through sports and training, the inner game of self-mastery. And my first guest today is the master of that Timothy Galway is the founder of The Inner Game and is widely acknowledged as the godfather of the current coaching movement. Tim developed The Inner Game in the mid-1970s, and he has spent decades inspiring successful organizations, including long-term clients such as Apple, AT&T, the Coca-Cola Company, and Rolls-Royce, with whom he shared The Inner Game of Leadership, Sales, Change, management, and teamwork. Tim is also a best-selling author. His book, Inner Games, or the Inner Games series, set forth a new methodology for coaching and development of personal and professional excellence in a variety of fields. His books have led many to realize that the inner game holds the key to the outer game of their lives. Amen and welcome, Tim. Well, I, I'm excited to... Uh, be focused on the inner rather than the usual focus. How does the inner help your outer game? Yeah, well, the, the inner is um, is the seed of everything, right? The inner experience. That's not what our society at large is believing. They want, oh, you have to get less stress in order to succeed in the outer game. You have to handle your doubts. You have to learn how to concentrate. But there is there's a game that we've been playing since our first breath. And the big word for it is evolution. And happiness is its goal. So I am delighted not to have to talk about selling uh, and winning your next tennis match. <laughs> I love that. And you know what? You're in good company because selling is, is something that um, I prefer not to do. You know, I prefer much more in the being. And in, in, in what come, come what may, you know? You, you can't sell a person what they already have. That's true. And if we're talking about the ability uh, to actualize happiness, well-being, life satisfaction, or 
dominion over oneself, we it's already there. It's already there. Exactly. It's like Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz. She had to go on this whole adventure, and then she realized all she had to do was click her heels to get home. Well, let's click. <laughs> what made you you uh, you were a professional athlete? No, in, in, I was. Uh... Uh, as a junior player, I was number seven in the country. Uh, I was captain of the Harvard tennis team, but I entered the career of education and uh, on sabbatical, I started teaching tennis because I realized how many obstacles stood in the way of education really educated. So I started doing what was done unto me, teaching tennis. Take your racket back early, hit the ball in front of you, hit the ball in the middle of the racket, follow through. All our education is wrapped around two words, should and shouldn't. And what that does, I suddenly, well, what happened to me one day in the tennis court, the student, bless his heart, started to break his bad habit before I started teaching. Do you realize the calamity that that was? He was learning without me. <laughs> he was undermining the economy of tennis. First I teach, then you learn, then you pay me. And that inner dialogue shocked me. And I said, I wonder how much learning can take place with how little teaching. And what I found out was 500% more. And so the instructions went out the door and what came in was simple awareness of what you were doing. And with that awareness, we began learning as the best learners in the world do, all of them being under five. And how easily we learn how to walk and talk without being told how. And when we're told how, we get self-judgmental, we get self-doubt, can we do it? We're trying to please the pro, and the observer, instead of enjoy inherently the learning and growing process. So that's true in whether you're playing an outer game, like tennis or business, or whether you're playing an inner game, like fulfillment, joy, happiness, uh, peace, all of those realities happen within the human being. Yet the society we live in is 90% or more concerned with how we're doing in the outer game. Yeah. And when we can master that inner game, and I, what I hear you saying is mastering it through the eyes and experience of that childlike wonder that each one of us possesses no matter how old we are. Absolutely. We start seminars asking people, and your audience might just do this mentally, what are the qualities that you most admire in any child under five? And you will get strings of curiosity, fearlessness, courage, wanting to know, wanting to discover, 
having fun in everything they do. Uh, learning, not being afraid to ask. They were designed to evolve and we get uh, subjected to, well, external goals. Yeah. And what others will think of us. And what others think of us, not like Socrates said, know thyself. It's, it's fundamental and ignored. We yeah. don't know our obstacles. We don't know our potentialities as human being. And I'm so glad there's someone like yourself and there are others who are saying, no, guys, inner comes first. Yeah. And outer will follow. And there are millions of rich people who are poor in inner prosperity, in their happiness, in their joy, in their gratitude for being alive. And I want to reverse that, that the privilege of being having being alive on this planet and being able to be happy, being able to appreciate, to be able to be grateful are so rich and it can happen to happens to poor people <laughs> poor <laughs> externally. So it's not dependent. You know, we need a house, we need food, we need water, and we need air, but we definitely need peace, we need happiness within us. You know, it's funny you, well, it's not funny, it's so true what you just mentioned about uh, poor people or people who have less uh, monetary reward they are not necessarily unhappy people. I had the great fortune a few weeks ago of going to Havana, Cuba to speak at uh, the Latin Continent um, Psychology Conference. And there were 1,500 psychologists that had come from around Latin America and the Caribbean world and, and Europe and the Middle East. And the focus was really on the human condition. But one thing I really was acutely aware of within the Cubans was the fact that although they didn't have a lot, they were extremely happy and they were very articulate about this, very aware of what they, what they didn't have and the riches they did have. We, we can learn a lot from them. I spent, I talked and made a few trips to India and the poverty needs to improve external poverty, but the internal richness is staggering. And we, we have a lot to learn. We do. That. You and I are going to need to volley off to a very brief break to learn uh, more about Tim Galway's work. Please visit theinnergame.com. On Twitter, that handle is at the underscore Inner Game. And on Facebook, the page is Tim Galway, and that's G-A-L-L-W-E-Y. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back. I promise. We know that life can be tough and that happiness can and does live alongside adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Harvest more happiness by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness, following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen, and tweeting us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness. Love to read? Looking to harvest your happiness? 
then look no further. Lisa Cypress Kamen is an author of three amazing books that will assist in taking your well-being and self-mastery to the next level. Are we happy yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life offers breakthrough strategies for creating your own personal happiness revolution. Perspectives on addiction, an integrated journey to wellness is an overview of the recovery process from a multi-stepped perspective and holistic approach of substance abuse and lifestyle management. Through her third book, Reintegration Strategies for Depression, Anxiety, Anger, Grief, and Post-Traumatic Stress, offers an own nonsense approach to dealing with post-combat civilian life reintegration issues for veterans and their families. You'll find these books online at Amazon.com and HarvestingHappiness.com. Mindful meditative moments are free and relaxing on-the-spot mini staycation journeys designed to calm the mind and soothe the body from the comfort of wherever you are. No reservations or travel required. Check out the playlists on HarvestingHappiness.com and Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes and SoundCloud. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen, the show dedicated to promoting happiness from the inside out by thriving with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. So let's get back to the show and your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download and share this podcast. Why? It's kind, it's free, it's legal, it's available 24-7, and we're talking about peak performance through sports and training and the inner game of self-mastery with my first guest today, Tim Galway. Tim, before the break, we were talking about cultures such as Cuba and India, where they don't have a lot of money or seemingly abundant resources, and yet the people there are happy. They possess a level of inner well-being and contentment that we don't see as often in the Western world. I'd just like to correct that they're not all happy. No, of course you not. You can not be all. unhappy and externally rich. You can be unhappy and externally poor. They're two different things, and we have we have happiness in us, and we have depression and anxiety and fear. But the one thing we have is human choice. It's one thing that enables us to pick and seek the happiness which goes way beyond good mood, goes way beyond cheerfulness. We have begun just, we're in kindergarten (laughs) in the (laughs) inner game. And, uh, We're liable, we're so distracted even by sports and business and performance because performance can be seen and then they can say you're wonderful. We need to know how wonderful we are by our experience of those potentialities we have. For happiness. It's what we're here for. You talk about uh, the new economy. Yes. Share this. I just made this up. But you talk about the economy and it's time and talent given in exchange for external wealth that you can put in a bank. And that's what the game is. And there's a whole other dimension, which is called inner prosperity. The growing of your talents, the growing of your happiness, the knowing of who you are. All this, the seeds of this wealth is within us. A little bit of nourishment little bit of focus, a little bit belief that it's already there. And we would not worry so much if we lost 
a few dollars from our bank account because we're, we're looking out there for what's already inside us. Yeah. This is, uh, this is a discovery that many of us make on our human journeys, that we, we seek s- so much validation from external sources, be, albeit our careers, our relationships, and don't m- mistake that the relationships are exceedingly important and the interconnectivity is key. But what you say is so true, that the inner resources, the, the inner light, the relationship with the self is where we find the sustainable parts of our happiness and well-being. It, it, actually, it actually has no limit in, in time or extent. A good example, you go to work and the boss says you're here to do a job, right? How common, how axiomatic is that? And you really should, you can't get away with it, say to the boss, "Uh, sir, I already have a full-time job. (laughs) Yes. I've had it since I was very, very young, and I'm going to have it till my last breath. And let's just say it's to enjoy the gift of this life, to appreciate it to be happy in it. And I hope this job that I'm asking you for will pull, will challenge me to go beyond where I am on the inside. I am the job being done. And the people I work with are the job being done while we do our job. That is, in my mind, the correct priority. And we're, the organization will do better, but the people who work together will have a chance at fulfilling themselves. And that's such a big shift. And so I invite all listeners who would like to be a part of that to give me a, a be in touch. I've worked for 40 years on this and we're beginning to take it all to a new level. So just give me an email at inner Tim Galway, G-A-L-L W-E-Y at gmail.com and yes, their books uh, the tennis book I was told would sell 20,000 because that's how big the tennis market is but it sold it's already sold a million and a half it's still number one on Amazon and that's because it's not about tennis. Yes, <laughs> the tennis gets better. But what do you learn while you're playing tennis besides tennis? Or what can you learn? Or in whatever you do, we're here to evolve. And we can do it in whatever we do. And that's fulfilling. The other we need for the roof over our head and to put food in our family's life. And hopefully we do that out of love. But it's much more exciting to play both games at the same time, to integrate, to marry the inner with the outer instead of pretending life is about external success. Yeah. I want to ask you, uh, because I think our listeners may be saying, all right, Tim, what you say makes perfect sense, but how? How do I begin to take that first step? How do I begin to change my habits? How do I 
um, muster the courage to stretch myself? Well, inner game means the potential for happiness is there and so is the interference. So you have to be willing to face the fear, to face the self-doubt, to protect yourself, to think for yourself, to discover your own heart and believe in it rather than whatever comes to you through the television channels and the indoctrination that we all have. I wish I had time for a little example. Um, the tennis coach says, hit the ball in front of you. And the inner game coach says, uh, Joanne, where is your racket meeting the ball? Ah, uh, I and see. That, that's the whole thing. Awareness instead of should. And should happens as a result of awareness, as a result of trust in your own capability to learn and grow and being clear that your goal is not just to win, but is to thrive. Yeah. You know, just as you were talking, I'm thinking about when we talk about change, I guess we look at where is our energy meeting our intention? Absolutely. And we, we live in a world that has it focused out there and how we look. But what counts is how we feel in our heart, in our being, for the privilege to be the one thing we all are, which is alive. And yeah. every breath is a gift that enables you to have the chance to explore what happiness really is. Which is the antithesis of what we're taught. Yes, except as children. Except we're, as children, we're, we're, it's acceptable. We're happy doing whatever we do. We play games. We get shot in cops and robbers. And we die in agonizing death because it's so much fun and we're dealing with our fear of our mortality. It's children have fun and learn in everything they do. And then we go to school. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then the pilot light is, is dimmed. <laughs> and we get taught. You know what I want to say in ending? is when we think of authority, we think of it being out there. Governments, experts, scientists. We all have inner authority. We are CEOs of the success or failure of one life. I challenge you to say that's not more difficult than making a company profitable. We're all CEOs of our life and we need to accept the authority that we will find in us. Now, Hemingway said, Hemingway said, if you want to be a good writer, learn the difference between, can I say it, bullshit and clarity. <laughs> and, and light the clarity and we have to do that inside ourselves thank you Tim Galway to learn more about Tim and his amazing work please visit theinnergame.com on Twitter at the underscore inner game and on Facebook that page is Tim Galway G-A-L-L-W-E-Y. Tim, will you come back and share more of your, your joy with us? 
Well, I've enjoyed this time, so next time I expect will be even better. I, I believe so, too. We are going to take a break, and when we come back, there will be more. Here come the tunes. We know that life can be tough and that happiness can and does live alongside adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Harvest more happiness by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness, following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen, and tweeting us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness. Remember what it feels like to receive a gift? We all know nothing gives happiness like a present, so you should unwrap yours at harvestinghappiness.com and sign up to receive your free ebook, Got Happiness Now, that offers simple, user friendly ways to get greater happiness in your world each and every day. That's harvestinghappiness.com. Lisa Cypress Kamen has built an impressive global lifestyle management consulting company offering applied positive psychology, mindfulness, and integrated well-being coaching. Her services including addiction and trauma recovery support as well as life crisis triage are available worldwide through phone, video, and on-site. In addition, Lisa delivers workshops, lectures, and trainings to corporations and institutions and is a frequent guest expert on many prominent radio and TV shows. Connect with us at Harvesting Happiness for more information. Harvesting Happiness for Heroes is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation offering innovative and integrated stigma-free combat recovery services to veterans and their loved ones with programming that focuses on the transformation of post-traumatic stress into post-traumatic growth using scientifically proven positive psychology coaching tools and strategies that increase self-mastery, self-awareness, and self-esteem to help heal the invisible wounds of war. To make a tax-free charitable contribution or to learn more, please visit visit hh4heroes.org. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen, the show dedicated to promoting happiness from the inside out by thriving with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. So let's get back to the show and your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download and share this podcast. Why? Because caring is sharing. It's great to pay it forward. And we're talking about a theme that should be important to all of us, and that is training for peak performance through the inner game of self-mastery. And my next guest has made this the practice of his lifetime, not only for himself, but sharing it with the world. I'm with Tony Horton, who is the wildly popular creator of the best-selling fitness series P90X, P90X2, P90X3, The 10-Minute Trainer, and most recently, his 20-minute military-inspired workout, 22-Minute Hardcore. Tony is a world-class motivational speaker and the author of Top selling books, Bring It, Crush It, and his latest motivational book, The Big Picture, 11 Laws That Will Change Your Life. He has appeared on countless television programs as a fitness and lifestyle expert to promote healthy living through exercise and proper nutrition. In keeping with Tony's passion for healthy lifestyle, he's teamed up with the beauty experts at Ultimate Salon Professionals to create his new hair and skincare line, TH Care by Tony Horton, because he believes what goes on your body is just as important as what goes in it. Welcome, Tony. Thanks for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. That sounds oh. like a heck of a resume. It sounds like I've been pretty busy. It, 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 indeed, it does. And I, I guess I say to myself, well, this is not how you rolled out into life. There's always a story behind people like yourself who have created great success by living your virtues and your values. That's absolutely true. I certainly did not start out that way. I was a C-minus student with a speech impediment, so, uh, and I moved six times before fifth grade. I had a bit of a rough start, maybe not as rough as others, but uh, for me it was pretty difficult. And um, I, was, I was never a great athlete. Uh, I wanted to be. My father was a great athlete. It was in my lineage, but, but for whatever reason... Uh, I don't know. I didn't have the confidence, maybe because I was a small kid or the speech impediment certainly didn't help any. 
And the fact that I moved so many times made it really hard to meet new friends and going to new schools and teachers and whatnot. But um, my big shift came in college when I took a weightlifting course. I was a skinny, scrawny kid with sort of a belly. And I took this weightlifting class, I think, for the sole purpose of just, you know, trying to look better. Um, not to sort of change myself mentally or emotionally, but what ended up happening was I had more energy. Uh, I felt better. I slept better. I had more confidence. I had more energy and enthusiasm to start living a bigger, more more exhilarating life. And I didn't know the science behind it, but but it, I don't know. All, all of a sudden, I just you know felt better in general. So that's uh, that that as I moved from the East Coast to the West Coast in 1980, what I discovered here in, in California is they have gyms on every corner. So I joined about two or three of them, and I got caught up in that culture, and uh, and it just sort of changed everything for me. I think the fact that I I moved to California, completely other side of the country, and then I had all new friends. I had a sort of a fresh start, and that, along with uh, with acting classes and 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 going to different kinds of gyms, that was sort of the beginning. That was the real that was the real uh, tipping point for me. Going to the gym, as as I've come to learn, is not enough. You know, it's how we take care of our bodies, how we take care of our lives emotionally, spiritually, and certainly how we nourish ourselves. And this is a big part of what you support and how you support people. You know, exercise, but also feed yourself well. Absolutely. You know, the exercise is the foundation, but you've got to continue to build on that foundation. And so there needs to be mental, emotional, financial, dietary aspects to the, the entire equation. <clears throat> Excuse me, and um, and when it came to the food and supplementation, that was a that was a longer journey for me. Uh, partly because I couldn't, I didn't at that time didn't think I could afford decent food, and so I was still living on pizza and Dr Pepper, and you know, I was I really had an aversion to salads and vegetables as a kid. <laughs> but I, but I was a skinny kid, so I would, and I was also young, and my metabolism was uh, was such that I could kind of get away with it. Um, but at the same time, I was dealing with some kind of, you know, I was dealing with mood variations and, you know, I didn't realize then at the time that, you know, food is fuel or it's, it's on some level, some kind of poison really. And, and you've got to decide, um, what to eat to sort of alter that a little bit. And, and so I just started hanging out with the right people, you know, and people who are vegetarians and vegans and, it was when paleo wasn't really around so much then. It wasn't as popular as it is now. But it was just being more strict with the diet, eating more whole foods. And it took me about three or four years before I got there. But but uh, And I went through my vegan stage, my flexitarian stage, my vegetarian stage, my paleo stage. I tried them all. And now I just eat them all. And so I have much more variety now, and uh, I don't have to think about it so much. I just stay away from processed food. I stay away from foods that are filled with fat, sugar, salt, and chemicals, really. That's really what the problem is. If it's manufactured, typically it's probably not that great for you. There are some manufactured products that are supplements that are great, but you just have to know and distinguish between the two, and that was the, that was the two-part equation. Now, of course, I've, you know, I've, I've written a personal development book called The Big Picture, which is really based on my life, all the things that I needed to do so that I could become just a happier, more productive, in-the-moment kind of human being, which is what I've always wanted to be. And so I read every book from Deepak Chopra to Tony Robbins to Don Miguel Ruiz to, to uh, uh, D- uh, Wayne Dyer to, uh, you know, you name it. I mean, my bookshelves are full of them and, um, because I, I was searching. I didn't get these answers in college and high school. I mean, I learned how to do some math and, and write and type, <clears throat> which turned out really well for me since I have a laptop. But... Um, but, you know, it was really those types of books, those types of seminars and events that I would go to, uh, listening to phone call interviews like like this one. These, those were the things that sort of changed me. And it took years. It took decades. But but I'm glad I, I'm glad I did that. And most folks after high school and college, they figure they know it all. And then they're looking through a tube the rest of their life. You know, I'm trying to stay a, a open-minded, wide-eyed child for as long as I can. Cause <laughs> the beginner's I like mind, I right? I to learn. I love it all. Yep. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have uh, two teenagers. Uh, one is in college. One is uh, about to be a junior in high school. And the interesting thing is that they come from a family of, of very active people. Um, one really gravitated towards athletics. The other did not and is now discovering, now that she's out on her own, 
the value of exercise and properly nourishing herself to contribute to not only her immune system and her overall well-being, but also what you talked about, the mood stabilization. Yeah, exactly right. Because you're releasing norepinephrine, dopamine, serotonin, brain-derived neurotropic factor. These are all things that I learned from my good friend, uh, Harvard professor John Rady, who wrote the book Spark. I mean, I read that book and I thought, oh my goodness, this is this is a much more compelling reason to move than just to move for the for the with the hope that you're going to lose some weight or you know drop the numbers on the scale or have people nice say nice things about you, you know, and and that's all based in ego. And, you know, every time, you're, every time you're doing anything based on your ego, you're probably going get, to get in trouble nine times out of ten. But if you're doing it for yourself, if you're doing it for just, just to feel good and to change the way your brain functions, and that, that's what exercise does. It really, really does. When you think about it, these proteins and molecules inside of the brain <clears throat> sit dormant until you start to move, until you start to breathe, just until you start to move, you know, the largest muscles in your body. And when that happens, these proteins and molecules find a way to connect. And when they do, um, memory, cognition, sleep, um, uh, the glass becomes half full, not half empty. And that's, that's the beautiful thing about physical movement. And so what that will do, and I write about this in my book, is it turns to sort of the casual fitness person into somebody who understands that if they want to go past surviving, which is what most of us are doing. We're paying our bills, we're going to work, we're getting in traffic, we come home, have a couple of beers, watch the game on the weekend, and then, you know, because of bad behavior and poor diet, we end up, you know, with all kinds of illness and injuries that we don't have to have by purely just, you know, making this uh, a lifestyle that allows us to thrive. So we go from survive to thrive, and it completely changes people's outlook. And I've seen it Hundreds of thousands of times, you know, I've been doing in this business, you know, since the 80s, and I've been with Beachbody, the company that makes all my products, for for almost 19 years now, and we have a we have an annual summit in Nashville. There's going to be 26,000 people there, and they come up to you with tears in their eyes, and they show you their before pictures, and they say who they were, and they were overweight and they were overwhelmed, and now they're fit and they're happy, and they're and they're and it's not just about the ego. It's it's about the things that they can physically do now. They have they can get on a mountain bike. They can go snowboarding. They can go rock climbing. They can go on long hikes with their friends and family. These are things that they couldn't physically do before. So they lived in a very small world, and now it expands their world. And so not only does it improve your memory and cognition and sleep and things like that, it gives you it gives you a sense of adventure. And it, look, it doesn't have to be the things that I do. You don't have to be climbing ropes upside down and doing, you know, jumping off 20-foot cliffs on skis. It just needs to be something. And when you make that decision, your entire world lightens up. It's awesome. And I think this is uh, one of the many strengths that the work that you do offers as support to people, that they look at you and they say, if this guy can do it, I can do it. And you do give plenty of roadmaps and ways for people to find find their own path, you know, find the entrance to the journey, their own personal hero's journey in a way that fits for them. And, and, and I think there is huge, huge value in this. And your latest book, The Big Picture, 11 Laws That Will Change Your Life, as you mentioned, is an autobiographical accounting of the journey, but you bring up some points that are salient to us all in making our lives better. This is not just for the individual. It's, this is ubiquitous. Absolutely. You know, I mean, it had to be autobiographical. It, it really was my experience and, 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 my, and my struggles. The 11 laws were written for me. <laughs> you know, I would, these themes kept popping up, and I thought, well, do your best and forget the rest. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a phrase that I've been saying for quite a while. I even trademarked it, you know, and so... Uh, uh, but it, it, it's such a simple thing, and, and what happens to so many people is they try to do their best from the past. They try to do uh, somebody else's best. Um, they, they try to uh, be a perfectionist in the process, and what that ends up doing is it just ends up creating a state of frustration and, um, and depression and anxiety. And so if you understand that your best changes from day to day from something as simple as the weather or biorhythms or the fact that you didn't, you know, you didn't eat, drink enough water the day before, there's no way of telling. It just is what it is. And this is life and it happens to everybody. And so if you just, your best today could be not as good as a week ago. So what? But at least you're showing up. You know, I love that Woody Allen expression. He gets credit for it. But, you know, 80% of life is showing up. 
And the yeah. other 20% is paying close attention to what's happening while you're actually there. And so if you're doing that and you say, hey, look, I'm in the game. You know, LeBron James doesn't score 41 points every game. You know what I mean? Sometimes he loses and scores 12, but he's still LeBron James. But the, but the reason why he's you know, going to end up in the Hall of Fame is because he's a, he, he pushes the envelope as hard as he can based on what's happening in the moment. That's, that's really all you have to do. And what that does is it takes the pressure off. You don't have to – it's like, oh, okay. I mean, I've had so many workouts that are subpar you know, in the course of the last month, but, but I still mark, you know, mark the calendar, done, right? All right. Some, Showed sometimes up. <laughs> you're, you're strong as hell, and sometimes you're just doing maintenance. And, that, and that's maybe happening – in all aspects of your life, you know, so uh, that's and the thing is, if you know this, if you believe this, if you have great faith in this and you believe it to be true like I do, then, you know, when you look at the curve over the course of years, it's always going up. It's not going straight up. There's dips and dips and valleys, but you're always going up. And so that's the, that's the, that's why I have so much passion for it, because I believe in it. And that is there are very few universal truths, but I'm telling you, that's one of them. We are going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we are going to continue the conversation with the most energetic and inspiring Tony Horton. To learn more about him, his work, his books, please visit www.tonyhortonlife.com. On Facebook, that page is Beach Body Tony, and on Twitter, the handle is at Tony underscore Horton. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back, and that is a promise. We know that life can be tough and that happiness can and does live alongside adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Harvest more happiness by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness, following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen, and tweeting us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness. Lisa Cypress-Kamen author of Got Happiness Now, is also a prestigious TEDx presenter. Her talks, The Mysteries of Fear and the Inversion Theory of Joy, can be found online at TED.com and on the Harvesting Happiness YouTube channel. Be a part of the grateful good. Grateful Nation brings together patients, families, friends, and staff of Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center to support the quality care and groundbreaking research at the Medical Center. Through new and traditional media, members of Grateful Nation share experiences, thank our caregivers and researchers, participate in sweepstakes, and gather to sponsor and host events and much more. Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org. Have a grateful day. Check out the critically acclaimed documentary film, H Factor, Where is Your Heart? An insightful visual journey from Lisa Cypress-Kamen, showing that every person possesses the means to be happy. Follow Lisa and her nine-year-old daughter, Kayla, as they travel the world on the hunt for the universal keys to human happiness. Their question? What makes you happy? Discover the origins of human happiness, where to find it, create it, and keep it. Find it in our shop at HarvestingHappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen, the show dedicated to promoting happiness from the inside out by thriving with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. So let's get back to the show and your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. I am here in the studio today with Tony Horton, and we are talking about his latest book, The Big Picture, 11 Laws That Will Change Your Life. And prior to going to break, Tony and I were talking about showing up, you know, and a question that I ask a lot around harvesting happiness and with my clients is, how are you going to choose to show up for life? You know, and we have that choice every day, even our inaction, you know, when we decide that we're not going to do it, whatever that it is, is a choice. And it plays well with um, several of the chapters in your book, Tony, where you talk about doing your best, which you mentioned before, and also finding your purpose. Well, you know, that's probably the most critical one for me. And when I, when I moved from the East Coast to the West Coast, um, 
I didn't know what my purpose was. I mean, I thought I did. I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be a movie star. I wanted to be a stand-up comedian, but I didn't know how to start those things. So I went to acting classes, and I did voiceover classes, and uh, and improv. I was part of an improv troupe, and, and I even had the courage to get up on stage a bunch of times over the course of a couple of years. I didn't know that that was going to directly connect to my fitness business. I, I, I had no idea. But the fitness thing came in very late, you know, um, uh, I was a handyman and I was a bartender and I was, I was a go-go dancer. That's a long story, but really, I did anything and everything I could to pay the bills. It was all about surviving, surviving. I was exercising periodically. I wasn't eating quite right just yet. Um, and that's sort of what it was, but I knew that I didn't want to work in an office. I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't put on the tie and the coat and get in traffic. So many people do. And I just, you know, I, I, I just think that's, that takes so much courage, you know, but I read this book, Keith Ellis's The Magic Lamp. It was really powerful for me. And there was a lesson in the thing that basically allowed me to understand who I was supposed to be. So it told me to make two lists. You know, if you could have anything you wanted and you could be given it to you know, and somebody gave it to you, you didn't have to work for it, what would those things be? Astronaut, you know, movie star. You could make your list of 20. And the other list was if you had the courage and the strength and the power and the determination to work as hard as you could, what would that list look like? What would those 20 things be? And so the lists were similar. They weren't exactly the same. And then you were forced to sort of cross out the first and second one. Like if you had a choice between the first one of the first list and the first one of the second list, you had to make a choice on one of those. And you go all the way down. You keep doing that until you came down to one. And, and for me, it wasn't exactly what I do, but it was very close. You know, it was sort of a kind of a Jack LaLanne uh, lifestyle, you know, have my own uh, fitness TV show. Now, I don't have a fitness TV show, but I have fitness workouts that people watch on their TV. So I got pretty close. I got pretty close. You yes, know? you and did. So I, thought, I, I fulfilled my actual purpose. You know, my purpose is to help other people find theirs. And it's through, it's through physical movement and better diet. You know, there was another great uh, one of my personal development books, a story of a, of a gentleman who loved bikes. He loved road bikes. He loved mountain bikes, anything about bikes. But he was, a, he was an accountant, and, he, and he, he worked in this you know, with this huge accounting firm, he didn't even have a window in his office. He's one of those cubicles. But every Saturday and Sunday, you know, his wife would let him go off to one of the bike stores in town. And he would just hang out and he would talk to the employees, and the manager and everything else. And one day the manager just said, you know, you know more about bikes than half the people that work here. You, do, you have, do you want to work part time like on a Saturday? So he went back to his wife and, and she said, well, you know, you love it so much. And, you, you know, you should just, yeah, why not do Saturdays and we'll have Sundays together. Anyway, five years later, he owned the place. And so, you know, the purpose, the purpose is, doesn't have to be your job, but a lot of people don't have hobbies. They don't have any hobbies. They don't, they don't, and it doesn't have to be about fitness. It could be coin collecting. It could be, it could be you know, bird watching. It could be anything, but there could be, you know, and, and typically what, uh, what this book taught me was go back into time when you were a kid. Of course, I did this in my twenties. So I was still a kid, but, and just, you know, write down all the things that you love and, and if you love something and you're not doing it, that's just crazy. You don't have to make a living at it. I mean, you could find, you go out, you, now you can go online and join any club in the world. And then you end up meeting new people. You have new experiences. Um, you go to new places. And so even if your job isn't all that fun, you've got this one thing that you do maybe two or three times a week that you love, which can sustain you. And so that becomes your purpose. And who knows if you're good enough at it and you can figure out a way to make some money like this gentleman who loved bikes – your life could change just like that. And so, you know, purpose is everything because that's what gives you, that's what gets you up in the morning. That's what gets you, that, gets you, that allows you to hang out with the people that you really want to hang out with and, and learn from and grow from. And then maybe over the course of time, share what you know with others. And, and that, and purpose for me allows you to be present. It allows you to be in the moment because you're not thinking about the past. You're not thinking about the future. You're just, you're just really thoroughly enjoying right now. And, um, and that's everything, you know, uh, um, and so, you know, that the part of the book that says, make your lists and go find those people and go hang out with them. And it's going to be weird at first and intimidating at first because you're going to be the, you know, the odd man out, odd woman out because, you know, nobody knows you yet. But the fact that you have courage to be able to kind of go find and search for people who do something that you love, maybe you're not even that good at it anymore because you haven't done it in years. <clears throat> but you'll get good at it the more you hang out with those folks, the more, the, the, more the, the more you participate with this particular thing that you love. And then maybe it can become your job like this gentleman who owns this bike shop now. So purpose is truly where happiness uh, lives. And I, I encourage more and more people to try to find that path. 
Indeed, I couldn't agree more that the, the concept of discovering your purpose, because uh, I, I, I think you said it, not everybody knows what that purpose is, or perhaps purpose changes over the course of a lifetime. You know, we are no right. longer pigeonholed and destined in to have lifetime careers. You know, back in the day when you and I were young and going to college, it was like you were supposed to pick an avocation and stick to it. And that's not the way the world is anymore. We have such freedom to choose and move through multiple kinds of careers or careers that work synergistically, much like you described yourself, going to acting classes, doing stand-up comedy. And, you know, you had a career uh, wanting to be in, in the spotlight in Hollywood, but really your calling was using those talents to serve others, to inspire others, to show up to be their best selves. That's pretty noble. Well, thank you. Thank you. You know, when I was a wee lad, <clears throat> because of my speech impediment, because I was a little kid and I didn't have much self-confidence, I said no to everything. So I fell into this pattern of always saying no. You know, oh, Tony, hey, we're going to go over here and do this. No. Hey, we're going to go play <laughs> basketball with these guys over here. No. Hey, we're going to go, uh, you know, look at this, uh, this theater group to see if we can, you know, get in. No. So, you know, there wasn't a whole lot going on when I said no to everything. Uh, because I was, I, it was just—it was all based on fear, fear of being embarrassed, fear of being the worst one, fear, fear of being made fun of. I mean, I, there was such a history of this as a child. It was hard for me to let go of that as I became a young adult. But you know, it was easy to pick up a book. Like I could do that any, anywhere, anytime, and not and not feel made fun of or inferior or anything because it was just me and the book and the words inside that book that helped stimulate and motivate my mind to be able to change my mind. And so I went from no man to yes man. And it was so hard and so scary, and and it <laughs> I came away, you know, feeling like, geez, was that worth it? But there was always a lesson, you know. Even even when things don't go according to plan, there's always a lesson. And if you're willing to learn from that lesson, really, you know, write it down. What was it? Where, where you know, where were the, where'd you make mistakes? Uh, you know, I, I wasn't doing my best and forgetting the rest. I was doing subpar and remembering everything. You know, <laughs> so <laughs> I was I was doing subpar and judging everything. And so uh, it was just, it's just part of the process. It, it's, it's very few people just knock it out of the park on, on, on day one, you know, whether it is have to do with athlete, you know, athletics or, or workouts or, or, you know, maybe you're participating in a, in, in a, in an event where you're new to it. It's never going to go the way you expect. And, and that's why it's, that's why it's perfect. That's the, so if you're learning, you're growing, just repeat, you know, um, that's the important thing, I think. And, uh, I think one of the other chapters, too, that are, that are really important to me is getting real. There's far too many people in this country and around the world that don't live in the real world. They live in a fantasy version of their world. And so, you know, there's a lot of uh, pretend, adult pretend. Yep. You know, they, they talk a good game, and uh, they say everything's great. <clears throat> and they'll even exaggerate to the point where, you know, you don't know whether they're, they're telling the truth or they're lying. Excuse me. <clears throat> and... Um, and that's just too bad, you know. I mean, so your situation isn't great. You're not making as much money as you say you're making. You're not eating as well as you say you're eating. You're not participating in life as much as you say you are because you feel like you have to say those things so people won't think you're, you know, uh, struggling as much as you really are. But the minute, the minute you own it, you know, for real, um, I mean, I've, I've been to so many seminars. I've been to so many, um, you know, like shadow groups and, and personal development groups hanging out with people who were all struggling. We all finally just realized, hey, man, we can't keep up this facade any longer. You know, we have to get together. We have to go to these seminars. We have to get on these, on these webinars. We have to get on these, you know, uh, buy these Tony Robbins courses or Deepak Chopra courses or <laughs> books or whatever it is so that we can stop living in the fantasy world and, and begin to own our situation so we can take a step forward. But when you're, you know, when you're full of crap, excuse the expression, all the time, there's no way. You know, there are facts and there are fiction, and a lot of people can't distinguish the two. And so they're never going to get better. They're never going to move forward. They're never going to learn. They're never going to be able to face, face reality. And so that's huge for me because I was, I was 33 and a third guy. 33 and a third of what I said and did was true. 33 and a third of what I said and did was a gross exaggeration. And the other 33 and a third was made up. <laughs> and that's a lot of people. And yeah. once you and once you face reality, then the growth just is is awesome. 
for me. Well, I think that that's that that is the key is getting real with oneself because when you can do it with yourself, uh, you then can begin to do it with others. You know, it starts it starts as the inside job. Tony, we have run out of time, and I invite you to come back again because you are such a delight and so on point with the message that we want to communicate with the world. So will you do that at some point? I absolutely will. I really enjoyed myself today, and I'd love to do that. Me too. So I want to give your contact information once again. Tony Horton's latest book is The Big Picture, 11 Laws That Will Change Your Life. His website is www.tonyhortonlife.com. On Facebook, it's Beach Body Tony. And the Twitter handle is at Tony underscore Horton. And Tony, I just I, I made a note to myself that you were once a go-go dancer, and it's putting a big smile on my face. <laughs> so thanks for joining us today. Here are a few thoughts before we part. Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. Happiness simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen and my guests today, Tim Galway and Tony Horton, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio is produced in collaboration with TogiNet and KBUU and is available on PRX, the public radio exchange. Go out and rock your day. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Join us each and every Wednesday for a brand new broadcast and continue to harvest your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with hundreds of free downloadable podcasts from our libraries on iTunes and SoundCloud. To learn more about Lisa's global practice as an applied positive psychology coach specializing in lifestyle management as well as addiction and trauma recovery services, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook Facebook at Harvesting Happiness, following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen, and tweeting us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness.